Welcome to the Recruitment Mentors Podcast. My name is Hisham Azuz, and this is another edition of the 15 Minutes with a Mentor series, where we interview some of the brilliant mentors that we've onboarded and welcomed to the Recruitment Mentors community platform. And really simply, in this series, we're going to ask them seven questions in 15 minutes, finding out things like how they've overcome some of their biggest challenges to what has been their most effective way to continue to win business. Really excited to be joined by Chris today. But before I ask Chris the first question, if you could introduce yourself, Chris, for those that may not know who you are, and then we'll get right into it. Yeah, thanks. And thanks for having me. Um, Yeah, I'm Chris Dupac. Um, I've been in the recruitment industry for just approaching seven years now, of which kind of four and a half, five years, I've specialised in renewable energy. Uh, And just shy of two years ago, I made the move halfway across the world to Boston to set up a new division for ERSG. Um, We're a specialist recruitment company, all renewable energy, with 11 offices globally, with another eight to come in the coming year or so. So, expanding exponentially uh, and looking very much to be a part of kind of such a fantastic industry. Exciting. And you're not too long ago, obviously got married. You're you're an American, you're on the way up path to being an American, right? American it's, citizen, green card, all that. It's been an adventure. That's uh, <laughs> how, how I'm calling it. We'll, we'll get into that with the challenges. But yeah, um, possibly the worst time to move myself and everything about my life halfway across the country with uh, a previous White House administration that hated and hates the industry that I work in. Um, And then Mm -hmm. obviously COVID coming in a matter of months after I moved over, which has presented a number of challenges kind of socially, logistically and so forth. But um, yeah, on the mend and looking forward to kind of cracking on. Love that. So first question is, what what has been your biggest challenge? So what's been your biggest challenge so far this year, Chris? And how how have you overcome it? Yeah, no, thank you. Um, overall, probably mainly an internal challenge. Um, being kind of new to the country, um, an industry in the country that didn't really exist. My industry is offshore wind within renewable energy. So for those that don't know, essentially windmills in the ocean. Um, (laughs) Very new to the industry. Obviously, COVID's taken its toll and the remnants from that. So partly kind of how to build and develop a team remotely, a team where there isn't expertise in this industry. So unlike an IT or an engineering recruitment firm, you can't really cherry pick talent and consultants from the industry. So you have to train up everything. Um, So there's that in addition to what I would probably call some degree of imposter syndrome where I'm out here, I'm away from my family, from my friends, and I've taken a step back every now and then and just thought, what am I doing here? Like, what have Mm -hmm. I done to deserve the opportunity to move halfway across the world, act as a startup culture, but with global financial backing? And really, what am I going to do? What is my plan? Because in my head, I was very much thrown in the deep end, given full autonomy to build a team, build a business, um, and move from there. So in terms of how I've dealt with that, um, it's been a lot of kind of internal searching and really proving to myself and making myself understand the value that I bring and that I'm here for a reason and that I was chosen for a reason and really dedicate so much time to the industry, to my staff and my team, 
to make sure that we are set up for success. In, in, in the fact that, yes, it is a challenge and it has been a challenge, the benefit to all of this is that because the industry has been very slow to pick up, being a brand new industry, I've had that time to actually spend with my team, making sure that my team are experts in their field uh, and really using that to kind of drive growth rather than just stick to phone bashing and business development and trying to play the numbers game, really becoming specialists and move forward with that. And just believe in myself, believe in what we do and know that we have a global team of fantastic people and that I'm part of that team. I love that. Thank you for for being so honest. So my next question is, obviously, we've all been polled to death on this, and that's around the sort of future of work. But I think recruiters are in such a unique position to have sort of a lens on their market and then also have sort of their own experiences and perspective of their own recruitment business as well. But I'd love to hear your thoughts on this in terms of your world that you recruit in and, and how you think it's going to play out. But basically, how, how do you see the future of work? Is it fully remote? Is it hybrid? Is it back in the office, combination of all of them and, and why? This podcast is proudly partnered with Sourcebreaker and Vincere. You're going to be finding out a lot more about these fantastic tools that all of you should know about. And the perfect place to start is today with a sneak peek on their brand new integration, Vincere and Sourcebreaker integration. There's a sneak peek webinar today at 11 a.m. A link to attend is in the show notes. It's a short webinar and you can see the real power of both of these tools in action. If you don't know anything about these companies, the perfect place to start is in today's short webinar. You can sign up with the link in the show notes. I'll put it there. Hopefully, uh, I'll see some of you there. And if I don't and you can't make it, it will be recorded. So sign up and you'll get an email when the recording will be available. Back to the episode. How do you feel about that? Tough question. Good question. Um, Personally, I hate working from home. I need to be in an office environment, whether or not with people or without people. Um, I was very lucky during the pandemic that I was able to continue working from the office as it was literally around the corner, private entrance, health and and safety type thing. So I was lucky. Um, I think it really depends. I think from a purely business development point of view, is there a huge need to be in the office full time? Because if you are a business development manager or consultant where the main function of your job is face-to-face meetings, and once you get to a stage where you can go back and be client-facing on-site in the office, then you can create a hybrid where, yes, you come to the office, but you could essentially work from the road if you have a company that supports that. Um, Ultimately, it's going to come down to each company. I know plenty of companies that have moved into a 100% remote working because they've seen it work. And it's been a challenge for people. And you really get to understand whether a company can function. For so long, the historic way of recruitment is everyone in the office, everyone together, not working away or from home unless it's needed. And companies have had to adapt. And a lot of companies may find that it hasn't worked. But the majority that I know and that I've seen including ERSG, my company, have actually increased productivity from working at home by allowing consultants and team members to have autonomy, to be responsible for their own desk. 
you find that they're not just going to sit back and relax and put their feet up while they're working because they want to prove that they can do the work. And you'll essentially, you'll weed out the good from the bad. There will always be staff in every company that when given the opportunity, they may not do much. And there's an argument to be said, is that them, is that management and the reasons behind it? Um, as I said, personally, I want to be in the office. I am a very much kind of face-to-face people person and I want to be with my team. I want to celebrate the successes with my team. And I think that that element of live coaching, you cannot get working from home. If you can listen to somebody's phone call from across the room, go and celebrate the success. If that ends up being a great phone call where somebody wins business or help them, if it's a bad phone call and they get a PSL argument or they get any kind of bite back from a client, you can go and speak through that phone call immediately and decide what could have changed. Maybe nothing could have changed. Maybe it was just a client that wasn't interested in working with a recruiter. So I think, in essence, a hybrid solution is great. I think there's certainly room for working from home and certain businesses more than others. Um, In terms of the US where I am, it doesn't really matter to us, obviously, the US, and it's so different state by state, um, lockdown orders and things like that. Moving forward, we're going to have a full office. We are growing and growing on huge recruitment drives, and we want everyone to be in the office. But likewise, some of my biggest clients have implemented full work from home for the next two years as a minimum, with then the the reach and the possibility to kind of renegotiate or reevaluate that situation down the line. So I don't think there's a clear cut answer. I think that both have kind of very strong positives um, and certain negatives. But I think that in an ideal world, if you gave every single person the choice, the majority, um, depending on prior commitments, would actually like to have at least some office time. Sure, really interesting. And my next question then is sort of what, so I know you've mentioned, you've given us a bit of an insight into your industry, but obviously since you have uh, been building this business in America, what, what's been, well, we can talk about so far this year, but like what has been the most effective way for you to win business so far this year? I think personally, we're very lucky because we have a huge pipeline and we have a lot of clients of which the majority of our clients are the biggest in the industry. Um, We have a huge credibility pitch already. Renewable energy and offshore wind in the US, a lot of it is being done by European companies that have moved over here because they have 10 years of experience in the UK. So they've set up shop in the US similar to we have. So we either have pre-existing relationships with the companies themselves or we have such high-level relationships that it tends to be an easier sell. When you come into a U.S. company and you say, listen, we are the number one global supplier to the number one company in this sector, it's hard for a company to say no because you're offering them what they need. Um, Mm. In addition, being in the U.S., recruitment and sales is completely different. We make jokes about how recruitment are parasites and you see all of the stuff on LinkedIn kind of bashing us a lot, sometimes for good reasons. But over here, sales, recruitment, business development is an incredibly respected industry. I have calls with C-suite level contacts who pick up the phone and are happy to engage first time. Um, You don't get held up by gatekeepers. So in terms of the easiest way to win business is to get on the phone out here and make sure you are bringing value. Make sure you understand because you will get caught out very quickly 
if you're not an expert or if you try and blag it. If you just pretend that you can do anything they want. So you need to know what you're doing. You need to call the right people and networking here. Networking here is more than anywhere else. And you could cold approach somebody on LinkedIn and ask them for a referral. And kind of eight, nine times out of 10, we found they're happy to engage depending on how you're coming across. So very different. Um, winning business for me is just about choosing the right people, identifying the right people, and just getting on the phone to them or showing credibility, showing that you can offer value. And because my market is not a saturated market, they are not getting calls from 20, 30, 40 recruiters every single day. It might be that I'm the only person offering this service to them over the entire week, so they're much more likely to engage. Yeah, really interesting. So... I love asking this question and, and, and the question is, Chris, I want to sort of cast you back to 2014, graduated out of uni, got your, started your recruitment job mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I, I want to know what, if you could go back and give Chris some advice starting out in his recruitment career, what, what would you say to him? I'll have to choose because there's a hell of a lot of advice I'd give myself both in recruitment and in life in general. Um I started off in construction, which is obviously a very saturated market, hundreds if not thousands of agencies, so quite different to what I'm doing now. But I think kind of the two main bits of advice I would give is, number one, like become an expert. Spend time becoming an expert, whether that's during work hours when you have the opportunity to or outside of work. Become the expert because you get used very quickly to being rejected having a front desk reject you as soon as the word recruitment is mentioned or having people ghost you because you're just another recruiter. And everyone's presentations say we are award-winning, we are the UK's leading, and not everybody can be. And it comes down to this mindset of sponsored awards and paying for the credibility that you're trying to show. Um, Become an expert, really learn your industry and, and, and have a pitch and be specific have a specific vertical. It's, it's much easier to become an expert if you work in one specific area of a sector uh, that's kind of niche and specialist rather than just saying, I am an engineering recruiter. We are the best. Do you need staff? Or that you're reactive. Um, and I think the other thing was really to, to my old self, I would tell myself, when you think you've done enough, do more because mm-hmm. – there is never enough time in the day to get everything that you want to get done. And there's always something else. And I've lost count, especially in my first two years of recruitment in the UK, of business I could have won or thinking how much more business I could have written um, and how much more money I could have made, how much more the business could have made. I, th- I think we we looked at something at a business with kind of around a 1,000 contractors working at any one time. If you were to charge 10 pence per hour more across the entire year, the entire contract, it's about a quarter of a million dollars a year or a quarter of a million pounds a year extra. So actually believing in the value, because I was very much of the mindset that we sell on price. Oh, we'll come Mm. in cheaper than every other agency just so we can win the work because it's a saturated market, because everyone else is vying for it. And there are RFIs out and a lot of companies, they judge you, they'll send you a pricing matrix and say, give us your rates. We won't engage with you at all until you give us your rates and we can benchmark against our current agencies and our current supply chain. And myself and a lot of my colleagues and a lot of my competitors would reduce the margins considerably just to win the work. 
Whereas in actual fact, if I'd have spent more time becoming that expert, choosing the right people, showing the value that I can bring, then you can justify a market rate for margin, or you can justify a higher rate if you're providing the value to go with it. So just work harder um, and work kind of a lot more concise and really just believe believe in what we do, which, which is a, a rife problem in the industry. Love that. So next question, slightly less serious. What, what's been the sort of strangest or funniest candidate excuse that you've heard, candidate interview excuse you've heard in your career? What comes up when I ask you that? The funniest. Wow. We've, I've had all the usual ones of people telling me they've been in a car crash and sending me a photo and then you Google yeah. car crash and it is the first photo and you think it really come on, be, be imaginative. But oh, in terms of the funniest, we've had people who didn't turn up to interview because it was their wedding day. <laughs> we decided to forget that it was their wedding or maybe they just didn't care. But overall, I haven't had any that are crazy, crazy funny. We've had some interesting Enough. ones. We've had candidates that have gone through kind of 11, 12 different sets of grandparents over their career <laughs> and stuff like that. But it, individually, it's it's rinse and repeat, isn't it? And and, and you say yeah. the, see the same things on social media and they're just changed ever so slightly. Um, I wish I had Fair a better enough. one for you. <laughs> so look, f- final question is is a bit is more on sort of time management, self-management. Loads of recruiters sharing with us or continue to share with us that this is an area that they really want to improve on. So I, I guess I just want to find out from you, what what sort of non-negotiable do you live by each day that you feel has a sort of real impact, positive impact on your productivity and really helps you maximize each day in recruitment? Yeah, most important question. Um, and obviously something that a lot of people have varying views about. The way that I tend to work is I follow a quote by Mark Twain, which is basically eat the frog, um, which is essentially, if your job is to eat a frog, do it first thing in the morning. So my absolute non-negotiable is get the hardest, longest, most arduous task out of the way. And then you can move forward with the rest of your day and it becomes a lot easier. And that starts the night before. For me and my team, very much planning and preparing the day ahead. Um, My first company in recruitment I worked in, it was every morning, 8.30, 8.15am, the whole team sits around, the manager goes through the board, whether you want to call it a board run or a daily brief or whatever. But then it gets to 9.30, 10am, and then that's when everyone's sitting there and they're on the phone. So we do it every single night. We plan out the entire day. So it doesn't matter who gets in when, you know what you're doing, you know what your team is doing, and you have to get the toughest job out of the way first. And then not only does the day become easier, but realistically, as salesmen, as recruiters, do we ever get everything done in a day that we have on our to-do list, that we have in our calendar? Things change, requisitions come in, and often things get put to the side. Now, some people do the easiest one first. Let me do the easiest task first, get on a bit of a roll. You know how they say, make your bed in the morning and it's good for the day because you've completed a task. I try and flip it over. If I get the absolute toughest thing done at the start of the day, then if I don't get through my whole to-do list, the things at the end are usually the tasks that can wait or that won't be affected too much if we do wait. Um, it's just preparation. It's, it's preparation. If you've got a list of 20, 30, 40 clients that you want to call in a day, if you've got that done the night before, you come in, you smile when you're on the phone to them, and you just keep calling. Otherwise, you get to lunchtime and you realize you haven't done anything. Chris, love it. Chris, that was 15 minutes of a mentor. Thank you so much.
Absolute pleasure. Thank you.